You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. David offers sacrifices of thanksgiving and dedication, and then he blesses the people. Happiness, joy, that's what they're experiencing. That joy that comes from being right with God, and it fills every heart. You know, the people are getting back to their first love. Remember in the book of Revelation, the epistle that was written to the church at Ephesus, one of the indictments that was brought against them, that they had left their first love. And that was the case with Israel at this time. You remember how you felt when you first became born again? Today, Pastor Mike tells us that it's our first love that we can sometimes drift away from, just like in marriage. It's that feeling of the first blush of love, the desire to be together and to do what pleases your love. Is Jesus your first love? Is it your desire that your every action would be to please Him? If you've drifted from your first love, come home. If you've never fallen in love with Him, you can today. His love is amazing. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Danger of Spiritual Ignorance. bringing God back into the center of his people Israel. I mean, could his intentions have been any better than that? But instead of that, God broke in and showed his displeasure. And then also, David felt humiliated. I mean, the crowd that had joined in so enthusiastically are now bewildered. And they looked to David for answers. But guess what? He had none. And listen, isn't this always the case? The person in charge always receives most of the blame for what is going on. Isn't that true? Okay, that might cause us to be angry as well. I mean, you're in charge. You were supposed to prevent something like this from happening. And so David is humiliated. But then also, the third cause was David became frustrated. You see, David wanted to have the ark in Jerusalem so bad, it seems as if for all his plans were for nothing. And it just simply led to frustration. So let me ask you the question. There's going to be times when you get angry, right? And uh, for whatever reason, as a part of your life's experience, how are we to deal with that? What's the great cure-all for anger in our own experience? Well, listen, simply do everything as unto the Lord. And if you do everything as unto the Lord, and please the Lord, not to please other people, or even to please yourself, you're never going to be rejected. 
God will never reject you. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, you're doing what you're doing for him, for his pleasure, for his honor. You can be sure that you're not going to be rejected by him. He's not going to humiliate you, that's for sure. And certainly you're not going to be frustrated. So that's the great cure-all for anger. Don't do whatever you choose to do to please anyone else except the Lord. But all of this quickly turned to fear. Notice there once again in verse 9, we are told, David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was afraid to proceed, so he withdrew. Uncertain what to do, he puts the ark in the house of this fellow that we're introduced to here, Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Now, this is not to suggest that he was a Gittite, but he was rather from the city of Gath. Uh, It was probably someone whose godliness earned him great respect. And David knew of this fellow. You know, some writers believe that Obed-Edom was from Gath-Rimmon, a Levitical city, making him, in all probability, a Levite from the priestly tribe of Levite of the family of Kohath. So he met all of the requirements for being able to handle the Ark of the Covenant. He is totally aware, that is his fellow Obed-Edom, he is totally aware of what had just happened, and yet he welcomes the Ark into his house. Now, if you were Obed-Edom, and upon the king's request, he asked you to bring the Ark into your house after knowing that he just killed this fellow Uzzah, what would you have done? Would you have any reservations about this? Well, there's an absence of that. You see, and we are told as we continue on that he welcomed the ark into his home and he does not suffer any repercussions at all. And why was that? Because in everything that Obed-Edom did, honored God. And because he honored God, God honored him and told blessings rest upon his home. Notice what it says there in verse 11. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. You see, the God of heaven pays liberally for his lodging. Okay, so what should we take away from this? I mean, listen, a part of our experience of inviting Christ to come and be the Lord and Savior of our lives. We're asking him to come and take control of our lives, right? And he does come in, right? And make no mistake about that. When you invite him to come in, he will come in. And when we do that, you can be sure that he will pay you liberally in return for his lodging with you. That is, if you open yourself and you make your life available to a holy God and that there's nothing going on in your life that is unholy. And you can be sure, even as he blessed Obed-Edom, he will also bless you. Let me say it again. The God of heaven pays liberally for his lodging. So I thought that that was worth mentioning. Now, during those three months, you know, between David trying to figure out what had just taken place and him continuing on, in his resolve to bring the Ark of the Covenant back in the city of Jerusalem and place it in the tabernacle that he had erected. So during that period of three months, he's trying to figure it out. 
So the ark is still in Obed-Edom's house for a period of three months. David must have thought often about why God had so abruptly shown his displeasure. But slowly, I believe, it all came into focus for David. He began to recall what Samuel had taught him concerning Moses and Aaron and the ark and how it was to be carried in the desert. And how was it to be carried in the desert? Only the Levites were to bear this vessel, and they were to do that by means of long poles. Sometimes, here's a cross-reference for you, Exodus chapter 25, verses 12 through 14. So sometime during the week, I'd encourage you to read that. The equivalent of this is something goes on in our lives, and we can't make heads or tails of it, and we're trying to figure things out, and we're trying to discern what God is doing or what actions we should take. You know, maybe even over an extended period of time. We just can't figure things out. And then all of a sudden, you know, we begin to make heads or tails. We recall certain texts of Scripture. And maybe we're thinking about certain characters in the Bible who went through similar experiences, what we're going through at the present time. And then all of a sudden, it comes into clarity, you know? And then we know what we're supposed to do. Well, that's exactly what's going on here with David. He's reminded about the instruction that he received from Samuel the prophet so many years before concerning Moses and his brother Aaron and how that the Levites alone were to carry the Ark of the Covenant. So in verses 12 through 19, let's go on now. So now he he has some understanding about all of this. Now it was told, verse 12, King David saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the ark. So this is sort of like a green light because he was scared. He was scared that if he would have taken back the ark of God, maybe he would have been killed. Maybe those who accompanied him would have been killed. He was fearful, right? He didn't know what to do. But now news had come back how that God was blessing Obed-Edom's home. So this is sort of like a green light for David to continue. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David, Jerusalem, with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces. I mean, this is really over the top. I mean, every six paces, David would offer up a sacrifice unto the Lord. I mean, this is really over the top. You know, it really wasn't warranted, you know, honestly. But nevertheless, this is the respect that David had paid uh, God. This is the way that he worshipped him. This is the way that he showed his worship unto the Lord. That he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. Okay, so let's go on. And then we are told in verse 15, so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, now remember Michal is one of David's first wives, Saul's daughter, and notice the writer is very careful to mention that it was Saul's daughter, so that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So I think that's the reason why uh, the writer was, you know, clear way wanted to mention that not only was she... David's wife, first wife, but she was also Saul's daughter, disobedient Saul's daughter, looked through a window 
and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. She felt as if the way that David was acting was beneath his position as being a king. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and of hosts. Then they distributed, that is, he distributed, among the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his own house. Okay, so let's back up. Upon hearing of God's blessing, Obed-Edom, all that he had, David devises a way to bring the ark to Jerusalem. Now let me ask you this question. What was David's motivation here? Was it just himself being selfish? Was it that he wanted God's blessing for himself? And I think the answer to both of those questions are absolutely not. It was all about the people being blessed. You know, this is a good king. This is a good leader. It's all about his being faithful and wanting to bless the people that he is over in his administration. And I like that. It's all about the people being blessed. Notice there in verse 18. Let's go back. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Not in his own name. Notice that. Not to take the credit or the applause, but rather in the name of the Lord. Okay, so... It's all about the people being blessed. And so with the ark now in the city of Jerusalem, Israel once more will benefit from having the Lord in their midst. And so David plans this convocation. All Israel is assembled. He arranges for the Levites to carry the ark as was prescribed. And as a sign of humility... He takes off his royal robe, indicating his kingship, and places on an ephod over his undergarments. So he's dressed like all the other Levites and priests who were a part of this holy procession. Oxen are prepared for the sacrifices, and happiness ripples through the crowd. They begin to dance before the ark. David also, with all of his might. I don't know if you've ever seen the Orthodox Jews in Israel on certain occasions, you know, where they're just all gathered together. There are hundreds of them, and they just they go off in the way that they worship. They just dance before the Lord. Have you ever seen a picture of that? It's quite a picture. And so David is dancing before the Ark of the Covenant with all of his might. Now, this presented a problem for David and his wife, Michal, as I had already mentioned, Saul's daughter. You see, as the procession reached Michal's window, seeing her husband, the king acting in such a manner, she perceived his actions as undignified and condemns him in her heart. And so in this we see, on Michal's part, an absence of any Godward relationship. It's non-existent. She could see none 
of that grace and love that had mastered her husband. Now, we've experienced something like this before. You've heard me probably say this in some of my previous messages. You know, when we're just caught up and raptured, you know, with what God has just done for us. And you can't explain what's just happened for us without putting God behind it. I usually refer to it as a wow moment. You've heard me use that expression before? Where God just does something really spectacular for us, right? And we're just blown away. We might be walking down Fifth Avenue here in Manhattan, and all of a sudden we have this revelation, this epiphany, if you will, right? We're raptured, and we just burst out in worship. We just cry out, praise the Lord. It's that wow moment with God, and we're absolutely elated. And that's exactly what's going on here with David. The ark is placed in the tabernacle. All of that is absent in Michal's life, in her heart, more importantly, Well, anyway, the ark is placed in the tabernacle. It has been a great day for Israel. God has been honored by his people's praise. And David offers sacrifices of thanksgiving and dedication, and then he blesses the people. Happiness, joy, that's what they're experiencing. That joy that comes from being right with God, and it fills every heart. You know, the people are getting back to their first love. Remember in the book of Revelation, the epistle that was written to the church at Ephesus, one of the indictments that was brought against them, that they had left their first love. And that was the case with Israel at this time. But now they were coming back to that first love. Oh, how important it is. You know, never become jaded in your relationship with God. You know, cultivate it, develop it. Take some time out regularly to, you know, just count your blessings. Just go through all of the things that you know have come to you by the hand of God. It'll keep you close to Him. It'll help you to appreciate what God has done in your life. And it'll serve so that you won't lose your first love. So joy just fills every heart. Oh, the wonder of worshiping the Lord of the universe is now restored amongst God's people, Israel. And David will not let them leave empty-handed because notice there in verse 19 once again, we read, then he distributed amongst all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. And so the people departed, everyone to his own house. So, God's presence is once more in the midst of his people. And David, with his heart overflowing with a thankfulness, he goes to bless his own household. Now he goes back to his wife, to his own household. But notice the reception that he receives. Let's pick up now in verses 20 through 22. Verse 20, Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, man, she was going to really rake him over the coals here, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today, in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows, shamelessly uncovers himself. And so David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. I love it. He zings her right back here, right? And all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. In other words, you haven't seen anything yet. 
and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. You see, David's heart is just overflowing with praise. But her heart, Michal, is filled with enmity, scorn, and sarcasm. And he reminds her that her father became a rejected and dishonored king because he had disregarded spiritual realities. And she's just following suit. He also reminds her he had replaced her father because of his devotion to the Lord. And then finally in verse 23, the last verse of this chapter, we read, Therefore, notice a curse is actually pronounced upon Michal. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So it's been suggested that God had closed up her womb. And in this way, the Lord caused her to be disgraced before David's household and all the people of Israel. But also, I would remind you that this ended the royal line of Saul, which, remember, God, through the prophet, had prophesied concerning Saul because of his uh, disobedience. So, what should we take away from all of this? What are the lessons that we've learned here this morning? Well, listen, more than anything else, what I think we should take away here from this chapter, from David's experience, and how does this relate to you and to me? Well, the one thing above all else which David wanted was that having assumed the responsibility of his position, he should know constantly the presence of God was with him. And without that assurance that the presence of God was with him, he knew that he couldn't be successful in any endeavor. He could not possibly rule in authority or power or victory without the Lord's guidance. It would be essential for every decision and judgment that he had made. And so the presence, as far as David was concerned, the presence of God was absolutely vital. And so it is with us. Because think about it. Okay, so we're not kings. Well, you may be kings of your own homes, right? And you know what? Every day we have to face and make decisions. You know, as it relates to our spouses, as it relates to our children, as it relates to our employment, as it relates to ministry things, me being the senior pastor of the, the church. And how important it is for us to make those right choices, to make the right decisions, to have the right counsel, but it's not going to be there unless we've secured the presence of the Lord. So listen, gang, don't forfeit that presence. Make sure that there's nothing going on in your life that would forfeit the presence of God in your life. Because once again, how vital and important that is. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for tuning in. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Finizio and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship, too. 
You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live-streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. And we're praying for you. Thanks again for joining us today. And we look forward to our continuing study of 2 Samuel next time, right here on In My Father's House. There's a place for